Hey, you're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project, where music making matters. I'm your host, Ashley Bienyage. Each episode features interviews with local music makers in hopes to connect the vibrant Winnipeg music scene with listeners like you. Through stories of songwriting, album releases, and touring, listen to the unique journeys of local artists who love what they do. Project on 101.5 UMFM Music Making Matters. I'm your host, Ashley Bignage, and today I'm here with Mitchell Mosden. Thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little tired. This week has been pretty crazy on the second day already. Right. Right now we are at uh, Elkhorn Resort and Spa in uh, Riding, Mountain, Riding Mountain National Park. Um, we are both here for the Indigenous Music Residency that is put together by Manitoba Music's Indigenous Music Program. How are you feeling about all of it? As you said, you're retired, but like in terms of like learning and soaking in all the information. Um, I'm gonna give a huge shout out to Stephen Carroll. Mm-hmm. We, so these are the things that happen at these events. Um, we didn't plan a meeting, we were just talking over supper, and there was things that I didn't know that I didn't know, and that are, hugely beneficial uh, like touring grants and um just like career choices that i'm trying to make for myself and didn't know that anyone else out there like has thought these same things so it just like really um yeah really gave me some good insight into my future mm-hmm. yeah and for those who are listening um Stephen carroll is going to be at the next songwriters group on monday march 2nd at fourth cafe we do a songwriters group once a month and he will be there talking about funding and jen dirksen from bnb studios will be there talking about social media and music yeah well we actually met we met at new music night new music night yeah we were the we were both metis polish performers mm-hmm. that was fun and our, both of our last names people don't get yeah yeah, that was a that was a key point too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both and we both have curly hair. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I had the sickest band. You did. You had um oh, post yeah. or um were they still Middle Coast? Yeah, they were. I had uh Liam Liam Duncan, Dylan McDonald, and Nick Moffat from Brandon. The yeah. Brandon crew. Oh my gosh. It was so good. Mm-hmm. And I was playing bass. I don't usually play guitar, but I really put lots of trust in Dylan that night. And like, oh man, it paid off so much. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh we 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 haven't done a show together since then. No, no. So I thought about it. I was just like, oh well, I know other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, but I've seen you've been very active yeah. in the scene. Um, I'm told that there was a little like um, wall of fame for you at the the show or the venue in Brandon. There's like all these pictures of you performing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Shay, Angela, and Brandon. If you're in Brandon, check it out. It's a bakery that has live music pretty sweet um yeah if you're a musician it's like it's pretty chill but i just use that gig to like um kind of try out new stuff i was there with like a i'm just an electric guitar a loop pedal and um an octave pedal which i never do i've never done that before so i was like i'll try it out and yeah i just kind of use that as like a workshopping gig that's great that's awesome so i would like to take things back a little bit 
back to the early years and what got you interested in music? I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my graph was a uh like a really great Métis fiddle player. And for, like when I was like 3 years old, like you look up to your graph, you know. And he's also like a really awesome guy. Um Yeah. So like I started learning fiddle when I was like like played played a fiddle but didn't play it well. And then we actually like really started doing lessons when I was seven. But my brother is super smart. He's super bright. And he's also two years older than me. So he got better at the fiddle way quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll play guitar. You'll be the fiddle player. I'll be the guitar player. Whatever. I didn't want to be the fiddle player. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and then I just, I took guitar lessons with grandma. And then my brother took uh, fiddle lessons with grandpa. Right. Yeah, and it worked out really well. Like, we, we still play together sometimes. He'll just be, like, pulling out his fiddle, and he's like, where's your guitar? I'm like, it's in my room. I'll get it. <laughs> yeah. But anytime I can jam with my brother, it's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. So were you always planning on performing original music, or were you going to be in a fiddle cover band, or what, <laughs> what was the plan? Well, we, like, we grew up playing Métis music, but as soon as I could learn three chords and a guitar... Um, I wrote my first song, and it was in grade two. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, but once I wrote that song, I was just like, this is my life now. So i just like been writing songs. And you were two? Since, no, grade two. Oh, grade two. Yeah, and I just kind of like wrote a song here and there, and then I got more serious about my guitar playing. There was like five like years that I just didn't really know how to play the guitar because I didn't really seek help. And then when I was like 12-ish, maybe... Well, maybe a little bit younger. Um, I was like, okay, now I'm gonna get some some serious guitar chops, and just like lived on Ultimate Guitar. <laughs> yeah. Like the the video game. Ultimate Guitar, like the website. Oh right. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. But I played so much Guitar like, Hero, like, it, yeah, it guitar definitely Hero fueled it because I took the songs I knew on Guitar Hero and then learned them on guitar first. Okay. Yeah. So then you were probably exposed to a lot of different, like iconic bands from a number of different genres yeah 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 like my first cd was an aussie cd i got from my dad and then i stole his um <laughs> dr feelgood cd yeah and then i just like fell in love with the guitar playing in there yeah and now i wrote folk music mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so how where did that transition go like what you were listening to these like kind of heavier music and then I mean, you still, you're, you're still kind of pretty, yeah. pretty heavy. But probably because yeah. I like Ozzy Osbourne so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just bought, like, a Marshall, like, mini stack like, a few days ago. It's like the amps. Oh, okay. You know, like... I don't know. But oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll Piano check it. player here who very limited knowledge. Okay, picture this. It looks like a mini fridge, but it's actually a, an amp. Okay. Yeah. It has all the controls on the top. Yeah. Okay, so... What got you interested in folk music? Um, it was kind of confusing. Like, I was listening to like rock music and like rap music, and then every time I go to write a song, it was a folk song. Like, no, I didn't really understand that. It's just so confused. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this, these are my emotions. I try to write a, ro- a rock song. I was like, all that is is a folk song with a distortion pedal. And then I was like, I don't know. Tried to write some blues songs, and that didn't go well. Did, like, some psych rock, and that didn't go well either. And I was like, 
maybe it's because I actually really love this music and I just didn't want to be country because like my family's like pretty country. And, and do you think that the folk was kind of coming from like the all the fiddle playing and all of the oh yeah you, totally yeah, yeah. Just like, in your blood and so you couldn't get away oh, lady. Um, well now what we we played a show in brandon and i was like i was super proud of my band like we i think we pulled it off we did um there's a fiddle song called caribou reel and then we did it like metal well so the band played metal and like caitlin the fiddle player just like put on a distortion pedal and like it was awesome my grapple was there and i was just like so did we like bastardize fiddle music forever and he's like no that was super cool and i was like oh, okay i got the go-ahead from the one that i really care about his opinion so yeah so i'm kind of like melding fiddle music in a little bit of metal <laughs> that's interesting that i feel like that's a whole niche that you could really take advantage <laughs> of so there's lots there's actually um there's a guy named nathan hellcrow and he's um oh where is he from I think he's from Cross Lake, and like, he's like a metal guy, but also plays fiddle super well. So like, I think, I think there is that little niche I could. Yeah, you could tap into that. And yeah. You clearly you already have another person to perform on the same night, so. Yeah. Well, he doesn't like. He likes metal and he likes fiddle, so maybe mm. if I give him that push. You right. Know? You're like, hey, play this one song on the fiddle. Now play it on your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. That's cool. So what was what was your first show? Um, it was January twenty sixth, twenty sixteen, at Lady of the Lake Cafe. I know this because it recently came up on my uh, memories on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was twenty fifteen. Yeah, five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's been that was my first solo gig. Before that, I did a duo gig, and then yeah. So what 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 got you to that level or that to that point where you were ready to? perform wait, was it original music some of it was yeah um i started recording music when i was like like in grade eight like as soon as i had a laptop and i knew what recording software was i was just like oh yeah i gotta start making songs so i made like awful music like there's a song called yucky noodles please don't look it up um i'll link to it on the website. <laughs> oh worry. my god it was the worst <laughs> thing i don't know if it's even public still whatever um no i won't link to it okay i won't i won't don't worry <laughs> yeah then i was i was recording music so much and i'd play these songs for my mom and then i started writing music for like this duo project i was in and then that kind of gave me more confidence in my own compositions and yeah and then started playing my originals in this duo setting um yeah and i was like you know what i'm just gonna I'm gonna book a show. I'm gonna book my own show, and it'll be awesome. I'll wear a bow tie and a nice red shirt. I'll have my loop pedal and my mini guitar, and do my Ed Sheeran impression because that's what I was doing. What's an Ed Sheeran impression look like? Well, like he just has a mini guitar and like a Does loop he? pedal. Yeah, well, early Ed Sheeran, like okay. the Orange album. I think it was. Um, I don't remember what the first album was called. Plus. Anyway, yeah, I think so. I just did the plus thing with my fingers. If you guys are wondering, yeah, <laughs> I I saw I got it. Yeah, I really love that album. And then, I I think I played some songs off there and did some looping stuff. And then I like kind of figured out that the way he loops songs is not really the way I want to do it. Yeah. So you you want to have looping in your or do you have looping in your sets? In my solo show, yeah. Like I'll like I don't loop the voice 
anymore. I don't want to say that. Sometimes maybe I do. Just kind of depends on what I'm feeling if I'm testing things out. But what I'll do is I play a lot of blues songs. So I'll record a chorus just on guitar of like the rhythm guitar. And then when it plays back, I'll play a solo over my stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I someone who doesn't use the loop, a looping pedal. I've seen a couple shows with the looping pedal. I think they're pretty neat. Okay. It was so much cooler when... When no, like, because loop pedals are expensive, or they were expensive, now they're not very expensive. Um, but, like, I found a deal in eBrandon. That's, like, Kijiji, but for Brandon. Yeah. Um, okay. But there's also a discussion page where everyone complains about everything. Um, <laughs> As you do when you live in Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I just found one there for a really good deal, and I was just like, oh, I got to buy that right away, because Ed Sheeran has one. And then I became, like, this looping artist, and I was thought that was going to be my career because I was on the front and everybody thought looping was so cool. But then, like, Tasha Sultana came out and, like, Elise Turow, who I sent you, mm-hmm. like, they loop, like, so much more and their looping is, like, crazy. And Ed Sheeran, like, you know, he became more popular. People knew what looping was. It wasn't – I don't know. When people came to my shows and, like, I was their first loop artist that they've ever heard, that that was really special for me. Um but now everybody does it. But now everyone does it, and, like, that feeling of being the first on something was the only reason that I was doing like it. Like, invested, yeah. So you're, you're just the, a looping hipster is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> so then so then, what are you doing now that's new and, and, and the first and different that's keeping you excited? Uh, nothing. Oh. Um, <laughs> like... <laughs> I kind of struggled after I was doing loops. I've never talked about this with anyone, actually. That's kind of funny. Okay. Um, Are you comfortable talking about this? Yeah, sure. Okay. I just, like, I got to think about it a little. Um, yeah, I kind of struggled a bit. I was just like, oh, but how is my show going to be cool? And then, um, I don't know. I just didn't, like, I was trying to figure out, like, what if I play, like, a guitar with sparkles on it? And I was just trying to be cool. And then trying to find your thing. Yeah, I was trying to find my thing because that's what like people were pushing. Like, oh, like this person is this, you know. But you can only there's only so many things. Yeah, is that when you got the nose ring? No, I got the <laughs> nose ring because uh, there was one poster and like oh, Joey Landreth has his like hands. He's like leaned over and his hands are folded like this, and he's looking at the camera. And then like the nose ring like makes that picture. So he's definitely why I have the nose ring. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not, but yeah, yeah, probably that. That one yeah. picture, I was like, that is so cool. I need one. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah. yeah, he just like looked so awesome. <laughs> that's good. I look up to him a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, you were wearing his sweater yesterday, too. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm a Joey Landreth fan, girl. That's good. That's good. We, need th- we need those. Oh, my gosh. So. But it's so, cra- so crazy. He's so good. And... We're like we're like hugging friends, like when we see each other, like oh. and he's like, Hey Mitch and like, Oh my gosh. It's like I just feel so privileged to like have friends that are that talented, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I still get starstruck when I talk to him a little because 'cause I'm just like, Oh my god, you just like Right. Your record your new record was so amazing. And I don't know how to tell you this. No. I think he's also special to me because like um he came out with a song um called Whiskey. Mm-hmm. And it was about, like, his struggles with the alcoholism. And, like, I heard the song before. But then when I went through my, like, realization that I was having troubles with alcoholism, 
and um, started to finally do something about it. Like I was listening to a lot of music again and like, like I always do. And um, I came across that song and I was just like, Oh my God. Like Joey, this is my life. Like, oh. yeah, no. And then like we went to a show at, was that the Garrick theater? Is that, is that a place? There is a Garrick theater. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like by main street portage place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we were there. And then after the show, I just Brandon, like, I don't know where. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, we went to a we went to a show there, and then like caught up with him after, and just like I don't think he saw me, but I just like just cried into his shoulder. I was like, Joey, like whiskey really got me through, and he's like, Oh, that's good, man. Gave me like a like a back pat. Oh, like pat on the head. Yeah, like there you go, little buddy. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Oh, but I'd like. Everything it comes out with, like, I just, like, agree with, you know? Do you find that it's influencing your music? Oh, so much. Oh, man. Just, like, down-tuned one of my semi-hollow guitars the other day. I don't like, like, playing in open tunings. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, nope. all the strings, um, like, when you strum it open, it makes a chord. But then there's standard tuning, which is just tuned to an interval. Um... Like, just, like, a regular interval. Like, it's tuned in fourths, and then there's a major third in there somewhere. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so it's, like, E, A, D, G, B, E. It's, like, standard. And then when you tune to an open, it makes, like, a D chord or something. Um, like, he plays in open tunings. And I experimented with that when I was going through, like, major fangirling. When their first album came out, Let It Lie. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like it. It's not for you. Yeah. Well, you can enjoy it by listening to it rather than exactly. performing in it, yeah. Yeah, like a guitar player I hire sometimes, um, like his experiment with it. And like I really like when he does it. It's just not really – maybe if I would like worked on it long enough, but I don't know. It's just yeah. like not as intuitive. So like what I did to compromise is I just like tune my whole guitar down so I can get some of those like – Rich. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guitars are just better tuned lower. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I deal with like perfect yeah. same. Yeah. Cause you have, pitching. you have an equal, equal temperament. Hey, yeah. But yeah, the was... thing with the slide guitar, like I use a slide now, I use a half slide. It's like it's, okay. this little thing. So I can still play, but it just sits around my last knuckle. So I can still fret Do you want to explain what that is for people who are listening and aren't looking at your fingers? Oh, okay. Um, so it's like a really big ring and it's like a triple wide ring. Maybe. I don't know how it is. It's a triple it. wide. Like, if that's a ring, then there's like three of them. Okay, so just a little, like an inch and a half thick. Yeah. Or long. So it's just like an inch and a half piece of pipe, really. Okay. But you can still bend your fingers, like, enough to play the basic chords. So then if I just have, like, an interlude part that I want slide on, or if I want to play, like, just a three string chord with the slide, then I can at any time. I don't need to pick up the slide from my back pocket and. Cool. Put it on. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like the compromise I've made. Like I still like slide. I still like, um, like standard tuning. But then I just kind of put them together. Right. Yeah. Cool. So is that a new thing? No, this has been like a few years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I really, really sucked at it when uh, I started. And would you perform while you weren't, where you were still learning? No, no. Okay. It was just like kind of a bedroom thing, or like for like one chord or something you know just trying to like introduce it slowly like one song had it or something right um and still not every song like my folky songs like 
I'm just strumming chords. Um, yeah, I've just like just introduced it over time. Mm-hmm. So you have released four EPs. <gasps> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like three and then like a double. And then, yeah, and a double. That's mm-hmm. true. And they all have their own color. Yes. Well, except for the double has two colors. Mm-hmm. So what was the idea? Of, so there's, okay, for those red, orange, yellow, and then green, blue. Yeah. That's the fourth one. Um, what made you decide to do these, these color EP album things? So I was at, um, I don't even know. Oh, yeah, okay. I was at BU. And we had a meeting with Murray Pulver. Which I love that guy. Have you seen his, like, 10-minute songwriting sessions on Instagram? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. Like, maybe it's 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. Writing a song. On Instagram? Like, are they, like, the the Instagram TV thing? No, it's like he takes 10 minutes or whatever, 20 minutes to write a song, and then whatever he's come up with. Oh. Yeah. And then, like, some of them are, like, bangers. You're like, man, this guy, like. That's not fair. This guy knows how to write. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, but he just Jeez. like forces himself to write and like whatever he comes up with it in that short amount of time. That's a great idea. Anyway, Murray, I love you. You're so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, someone, if you know Murray, just like send him a Facebook message. Be like, hey. Yeah, or go listen to the Winnipeg Music Project ep- uh, episode with him. Oh, does he have one? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah, do that. Go listen to it. I'll link to it on the website. I forgot we were in an interview. That's so nice. Yeah, it's just so natural, right? Um. Anyway, I was at this workshop and I was like, I want to release music. Um, but I want it to be a crowdsourced thing. So I want to release a bunch of EPs, each one with a different theme. And then I want the audience to vote and like decide on what songs make it onto a full length that I record professionally. This is like a decision I made when I was like 16. I was like, this will take seven years and I'm just going to commit to it. (laughs) And then Murray's like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. But just like, make sure you have a theme to tie it all together or else it just kind of looks like nonsense and i was like okay sure okay. so i was I was planning on doing like um like five or six cds and i was like the rainbow has that many things and then i think also like i don't know the rainbow is just kind of like i don't know kind of special i think you know it's just it's gorgeous mm-hmm. and like it's natural yeah um uh, natural beauty Mm, wow. wow. <laughs> I think you're my sister. We, we must be related. Yeah. yeah. We have some. We were doing karaoke the other night and we did the duet, um, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. And we're, and there's like an instrumental break and we're just like dancing. I mean, I watched later and they actually do a dance in the music video together at that part. Okay, so cool. we weren't too far off. We were not as coordinated as they were. Like they had some like choreography going on. But, no, we really uh, sucked. No, <laughs> no, no, we were amazing. <laughs> And everyone thought we were a brother and sister. Yeah. So like, because we were both wearing crew necks, they both have curly hair. We're, we're both, both wearing kicks. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. These yeah. are a little less fresh after this weekend. It's okay. Yeah. Parking lot's a little, little muddy. This toe. Anyway. You're wearing them in my hotel room. I know. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Well, it's too late now. It's just because my like my feet get cold. That's fair. Yeah, I like your dinosaur socks, though. Thank you. Those are pretty neat. They're my lucky socks. If I ever get really nervous, I wear my dinosaur Were socks. Were you nervous for this? No. Okay. Um, I packed them, though, in case. Like, if I, like we have these like little f- things. Your, okay. The mentorship thing, yeah. Right. So, like, when I play in front of the mentors, I might bust them out again. Right. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when I played in Folk Music Ontario, terrified. Never did anything but like that before. Wore my dinosaur socks, made sure to. And I was at um, I was at Gimli for Manitoba Arts, 
like yeah right well good i'm glad you have something that like you know that works for you and because i think it's like just kind of a reminder like not to take it so seriously you know right don't put too much on it like it's yeah it's just a showcase it's just you know it's just life exactly everything is don't take it too seriously yeah like it just kind of like backs up your perspective yeah like i need this person to like me it's like i don't need anyone to like me but i need to be like respectful you mm -hmm. know like not all the things you worry about are absolutes i think okay this is what's kind of helped me a little bit um like at these industry things like when you're trying to get everyone to like you but like <laughs> in order really what they are <laughs> but like yeah but like in order for me to work with someone i should also like that person so shouldn't they be stressed for me liking them Meh. like no right no so why should i be stressed yeah just like i, I don't want to put on a face because they're going to start working with me and then just think i'm an ass you know right can i say that word on this i don't know okay okay <laughs> um you know because like i don't want to put on like i don't want to i could come in here and just like shake everyone's hand and be like oh my god so great to meet you and like i right. read all about you and like some people say that when they haven't you know mm -hmm. and i could just like lie but it's gonna catch up to you right so like just being who i am is fine yeah just or just be a good person yeah yeah I don't know. <laughs> I just said ass on air twice. <laughs> well, that's good. So we're going to take a quick break. Are we? Yeah. I think this, this, we should probably take a break. Hear the sniff. You're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM, Music Making Matters. I'm Ashley being as your host. You just finished listening to Fate from the album Yellow. So you have four EPs. We started talking about that before the break. Um, how would you say your style has evolved over the past four EPs? Um, I'm ready. Um, when I did my first one, I wrote like something like 60 songs and then just like took the ones that I liked the most and then just like hid the uh, hid the rest of them in the notebook and um just never really worked on them but now um I'm just really starting to develop an idea more when I do it so if I have a theme then I'll give it more than one chance you know like if I if I'm trying to write a song about um like if I'm trying to write a song about like indigenous issues, like maybe something like um like there's this one song I have, um, and it's just being thankful that we're in a time of um um uh, just like reconciliation. I probably wrote that song like three or four times. Like it's the same song, but um like just like rewriting is just yeah way more important to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, Editing. Yeah. And just like really working on lyrics. Um yeah like i do this thing um you can see this a lot in like nirvana's music um it's called second tier writing where the sentence doesn't actually 
necessarily make sense. Um, so you write your thought and then you rewrite that thought a different way, like more poetically. And then that's like the second tier. Like, oh. like I rode my bike or it could be um, loving the way the wind feels in my hair going down Portage and Maine. Don't ride your bike there, but, but you know. You can, but. Yeah, I'm scared of it in the car. But you know, that's just like the second tier. Yeah, okay. So it's like the idea. So then like lots of people will, um, lots of young writers um, will just sing their ideas, but they can like invest like their it. feelings. Yeah, right. But you can make that idea into something else. Mm. And then from there, you could do a third tier that could be like, um, like the feeling of crossing Portage in Maine. So now I've gone even further. Right. And does that, does that, because when you think of folk music, you think of like the storytelling, like, yeah. like paint the picture. Do you think that is kind of straying away from, from the folk roots of your music? Yeah. Like it, and then I, I try and make the song ebb and flow, you know, like, some of the things you really have to think about, like, does that what mean what I think it does? Probably. But there's also things that are important, like key points to the story that I'll just, like, hit you over the head with. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you have, like, a mixture. Yeah. Okay. Because you want to keep them interested. Right. You want, They kind of have to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Um, one cool thing I want to say in this podcast, this is, like, a challenge for all the songwriters out there. It doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, on a scale... You have, um, like, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. So, um. That's a little flat. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just because it's your, because you're a music student. Yeah. Okay. So, you can take one to six, which is, like, the pop, folk, rock. Like, people usually don't use seven that much. And then just roll a dice to get your chord progressions. So, like, mm -hmm. if I roll, like, a one, then that's going to be my one chord or the chord that starts with. Do, mi, so, mi, do. That was a little flat that time. It's fine. But, like, um, <laughs> yeah, but then, like, say you want to have six chords in your song, roll the dice six times, and then you come up with something that's super weird that you wouldn't write otherwise, just kind of leaving it up to chance. Um, but then you edit that. Like, you're like, okay, I have four, six chords in a row. That's not going to really sound that good. It could. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, it's really fun. That would because if you start with four six chords, that will sound like the like the the tonic or the main yeah. key. So if you start with that for so long and then you switch it up a little bit and then finish, that could be actually be really interesting. Yeah, it's a really fun game to play. Mm, I kind of um, like that. Yeah, what I usually do is just end up making the first chord the root because it just brings it back a little. That's fair. So mm -hmm. then. No, 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 I was gonna be like, so if you roll the, the six first, that's the key, I guess. It's a minor chord. It's a minor song, yeah. yeah minor key, okay. Yeah. And then the next time you roll a six, is that the sixth of that sixth, or is it the same chord? No, it's like, I think of it a major. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You could do that, though. I don't know. I'm adding rules. Um, so you performed at Festival last week. Yes. For the very first oh. time. It was so great. It was, can I just like, can I just go? Go for it. All right. So we pull up to the venue, okay? <laughs> all right. It's a good time. All right. We see it's a good time as soon as we get there, yeah? 
Okay, we pull up to the venue. Everybody's super nice. Everybody's super nice, you know? And then, uh, yeah, I'm like, hey, where do I go? And he's like, he go through this magical door. And I was like, I go through this door, this door right here. I get in there. There's a bunch of hay on the floor, right? Keeping it warm. But you know what? You know what they're missing? Goats. They didn't have any goats. They had lots of hay. No goats. Did they have chickens? Nope, no chickens. Anyway, go in there. Scope the place out. Looks great. There's like sculptures and stuff. Love it. Go check out all the stages. You know, stages look great. Good backlines. Stages look great. You know, watch some shows. Saw some of my Brandon boys, Liam Duncan and uh, Field Guide. Look great. Saw Slow Spirit. Saw, what did I see? I saw Fowler. Fowler was great. Um, yeah, then the next day, the boy call up the boys. And I was like, hey, guy, hey guys, tell me when you're coming. I got your passes. We, uh, <laughs> we uh, go to the gate and we give them their passes. We arrive there early. Sound guy, what's going on? Stage manager, she's like, what's going on? We're like, we're early. They're like, that's great. <laughs> and then, uh, yes, yeah, so we talk to them a little bit. We go get maple syrup on a stick. That was great. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then we just like set up. <laughs> I'm wondering how long I'll keep this up. <laughs> Until the end of the story. Okay. And then we set up, great. you know, J.C. Campbell went up. Played a great set, and then uh, came off the stage. We're like, I'll see you at IMR. It's great. And then we set up. Set up didn't take that much time. And then I looked out in the audience, saw lots of my family and friends there. It was great. Saw lots of people with sashes, and coming from a place where there's lots of not a lot of Métis people that are vocal about it, you know, having a whole Métis-themed festival, it's great. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, that was that was great. Thank you for that. <laughs> what was this voice? I have no Let's idea. Let's just not address it. That's fine. We'll just keep it as it is. Uh, so, I'm guessing that the whole experience was positive. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, like even getting in contact with those people, like the. What do you mean those people? Um, even the contract they sent, like. It was great. <laughs> they 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 laid out what they wanted. You didn't have to do any cat and mouse for the information they actually wanted. Um, they helped me make a stage plot. They like sent me this thing. It's like stage a website maker. Yeah, I never knew those or, existed. I mean, a website with a, a layout maker. Yeah, it's, you know yeah I mean? that was awesome. And then um, the people at the the sound people they like they cared about my stage plot and they were like really accommodating. Yeah, we like threw some last minute things. I'm like, hey, we have another vocalist and we need another amp. And like, yeah, no problem. They're just like super easy going. They're really easy to work with. Sound check took like three minutes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So it was a very positive experience. Yeah, and like just like surrounded by friends. Um, lots of the friends that I've made in this business I don't see a lot because mm. I'm in Brandon. Yeah, I didn't get to go to festival this year. Uh, I was in New York. And, uh, getting engaged and, amazing. and then uh, the IMR but I <laughs> yeah it was just great and I uh, was seeing on social media just the amazing photos and all, mm. all my friends and um, acquaintances and people who've been on the show and it's just I'm gonna try to go next year it was just it yeah. looks like so much fun oh man like like it's kind of a novelty for me to be like a Métis artist in Brandon you know like, there's not too many people that write about that kind of stuff. I think just being a, a, a Métis musician is um, is a novelty in Canada. Like, it's not for, it's not that common. Yeah. 
I mean, there are a lot of Métis musicians, but... Yeah. But then, like, I know my family, obviously, and I know people that do, like, fiddle stuff. Um, But then at this place, it was just, like, being Métis was awesome. And, like, growing up as a kid, I guess you always grow up as a kid. Um, (laughs) Growing up, comma, as a kid, sometimes you'd get picked on a little for being Métis. Like, so are you, are you an Indian or no? Like, what are you? I'm like, well, no, I'm Métis. Well, is that an Indian? Like, are you, so are you half? And it's like, well, no, Métis like a whole nation. Like, it's a thing. Yeah, but the, people didn't understand that. Yeah. You know, like, especially kids. Like, even, like, adults, like, didn't get it. Um, didn't, like, care about my connections to my roots. Um, but then in this place, it was encouraged and embraced yeah and really loved and yeah so that is that is that is pretty great yeah so the current music that you are writing um how is th- what you're writing right now different than what you've written in the past okay so i came up with this um the the album that i recently put out in last june i think yeah uh, it had lots of like, it had four indigenous tunes like with indigenous themes, and then it had some blues covers in it. But I like the songs that I wrote were the indigenous theme ones, and um, I really wanted like my voice to be heard, you know, like a talking about important things, mm-hmm. and just kind of trying to get in, them into the public eye. Um, what drives you to have this political maybe, or just this voice that? Rather than just singing like rock tunes, like what? Why did you decide that this was important for for you to, to create this vo- this voice for yourself? Without getting in it, into it too much, like, um, like I've seen the impact like firsthand on some of these tunes, you know, um, like there's songs like the Arkells Rally Cry whole album, really made me kind of look inside myself, and when you listen to the lyrics, like kind of question things and that was really good and i don't want to wait forever to speak up you know um like i don't know i don't want to say this but like i'm not really that um like super healthy i guess so i want to like speak up and really fight for my cause right yeah just like yeah well i'm in good health and all that that's good yeah good and um I don't know. Now it's it's also like the with the way the different themes went. Um, I tend to do like these artist studies, um, like I've done one for John Mayer and James Bay and Ed Sheeran. Um, and what is an artist study? So, what I do is I'll go through an artist's entire catalog and make notes about it. Like right, like the most recent one I did was Dallas Smith. That's not true, Dallas Green. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, the most recent one I've done is Dallas Green. So what I did is I just listened to all of his music and made notes about, like, production and his songwriting. And why does that, why is that special? Like, why do I like that? And then what I try and do at the end of this project, and usually it takes, like, a few weeks maybe, of just constantly listening to the tunes, is I want to write a song for that artist. A song that they would potentially pick up. I see. That's so you're you're thinking like a songwriter rather than a, like a singer songwriter or a musician. Yeah, but then there's some songs that um, 
that are like really close to my heart. Like um, this one song that's going to come out sometime in the future. Who knows? Um, it's called Cold Coffee. And I was just like really appreciative. Like I was drinking cold coffee a lot. I don't like drinking cold coffee, but I was drinking it for the caffeine to like keep me going. And um, I read a poem once um only one poem i've only ever read one and it talks about how cold coffee tastes like um noise oh man yeah like if i'm if i know i'm drinking coffee cold i put like two creamers in it Mm. i can't do it yeah (laughs) continue sorry i interrupted no i just wanted everyone to know that i read a poem so what you could do instead of i'm drinking cold coffee or you could do like i'm drinking noise you know, that would be like second tier writing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Well, you like, sure. I don't drink coffee, but I'll drink coffee. <laughs> so what I was like realizing is that I only do that to, like to drink the caffeine and because I needed energy. And I was trying to look for different ways that I get energy. Um, so the first line I wrote was, I don't like cold coffee too much. I only drink it when I'm angry or, or I'm sad. And like, that's true. And um, I was thinking about what the other ways I get energy. And then I just, like, I really appreciate everything that my partner does for me. So then, like, the second half of the song is, like, doesn't matter what situation we're living in. I know that I'll still be able to drink cold coffee. No, but, like, get energy from, <laughs> okay. like, this person because they really lift me up and, like, help me out. And the same thing, like, the second verse is, like, I'd be nothing without my friends. And, like, family included in that, too, because, like, my family are all my friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Not many people can say that. So uh, you have been on tour before. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you decide to? Why do you Why do you tour? Um, that's the question. The first tour I ever... The first tour I ever booked, um, I just wanted to do it. Well, like, I was friends with the Middle Coast guys, and they tour like crazy. Where they they, they do. still do. They still do, you know? Even as their individual products. Yes. Projects. Which, how many more tour, day, tour dates is that? Right. Um, Three times as much. I just had to do it. It, it kind of flopped. We didn't make that much money, but I wanted the experience. And then once I did it the first time, I was like, oh, man, like, that was awesome. It was like subsidized vacation. And it was just, I don't know, I like performing in front of new people. And then the second time, it was following a release that I did. Um, yeah, the release last year. So I was just following a release and just you know, trying to promote it, trying to sell the CDs, all that good stuff. And then I'm booking a tour right now. And it's um, like we're going to have to play a lot together on tour. And we're going to have to play consistently. So I picked some bandmates that, I'm, that I really like. And we're going to be forced to practice a lot and, you know, um, like get closer as musicians. Because I found that in the last tour, like we really solidified a show by the end. I was like, okay, I want to do that again. Right. Um, by, so, by the end of the tour, you were really like yeah. locked in. And then we started doing like dumb stuff. Like <laughs> we were so locked in. that It's like, okay, we're going to play this one super, super quiet. This whole verse is going to be quieter than the acoustic guitar. And that like, that was dumb. But that's fun, and, and and people who are listening, like they get like a, a personal experience, and like something yeah. that's like oh, they played this one verse so so quiet for some reason. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah, like I found if you throw yourself into that touring situation, um, you just like learn a lot. Like 
I was a different guitar player at the start of my first tour than to the end of my last tour. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and for you, what 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 is the value in touring? Like, what are you are you? Where are you touring to, and why are those specific places important for your music? Um, so I'm a huge fan of the Prairies. Um, so we've toured there. That's kind of like what you do. You tour the West if you're in Manitoba. So we just went from Brandon, and then we did like the circuit, like Regina, Saskatoon, and then Edmonton. That was like that's what we're working on right now. Um, yeah, so then like solidifying like the Western fan base, and those people seem to be really receptive of like the roots blues rock thing we got going. And then around home, like I try my hardest to become like a Brandon household name. You know, reach out to younger artists and reach out to new places to play. So what we did is we just like toured around rural Manitoba a little bit. Or I think that was just me solo. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you have plans to to leave the prairies in terms of touring? Yeah. Um, definitely have plans to go do Australia, which I'm just super enthused about. I didn't think that ever happened. Right. Yeah. No kidding. And I mean, yeah, that's such a big, li- big leap. Yeah. And um, met with a person in the states, and they really liked me. And I should probably get back to their emails, but um, I'll do that right after this. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but they really liked my music, and they're like, "We should just bring you down and test you out in this market." It's like, wow, that shouldn't even like happen. I'm like 21 years old. That's great. Yeah, and then um, I'm getting some radio play in the UK, which is, it's like, that's so crazy. People who are awake when you are asleep are listening to you. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, globalization is amazing. Like, it's like internet radio. Mm. And um, awesome. Yeah, they just like picked up a few of, few of my songs. Because I did like that blues, like those blues covers on the last record. So they picked up some of those and started spinning them. So after attending that royalties workshop, are you... Are you, are you are you good? No, no one's good. <laughs> okay. Like, that's impossible. <laughs> Maybe that's another thing you should do after this. Yeah, well, I just have my phone, but... Yeah, oh, okay. I wasn't prepared as Ashley. That's okay. Um, she has a power blazer on, if you I guys... I do. Can you hear it? <laughs> I don't know. It's not really a power blazer. It's just a blazer. It has shoulder pads. Does it? No, it doesn't. I just have massive shoulders. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, I, I I embrace them. Um, I have a day uh, des- dedicated specifically to shoulders in the gym. So, well, okay. back and shoulders. I thought you were gonna say designated to shoulders. I'm like, lots of why. Every Thursday, I just look at them. I have to wear shirts that emphasize them. Yeah. All right. That's All right. Cool. Um. Okay. We have to wrap up. We're actually out of time. <laughs> So what did we talk about? We talked about everything. <laughs> okay. We talked about it all. See, this is all done. I have check marks next to everything I want to talk about. Nice. So. Um, do I talk about the last song? Is that what I do? Uh, yeah, but first, where can people find you on social media to follow oh. and support you? Mitchell.Mosden on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. TikTok? No. Okay, that's fine. You don't want the younger demographic. Should I get TikTok? I, I don't know. Begonia has a TikTok. Yeah, but she's funny. She's hilarious. She she deserves a TikTok. That's true. She is. I'm not very funny. She's hilarious. I need to be funny. 
Anyway, so we're going to listen to Best Friend. Yes. It's kind of a long story. Can I tell it? Yeah, go ahead. So like many Métis people, um, my mom grew up kind of in a weird situation. Um, when she'd visit her family that was Native, she'd feel like she was too white to really connect. Or they would just say that she was too white for them, you know. Or when she was going to school, there was like a like an off-reserve school, then she'd be one of the Native kids. So she kind of wasn't accepted anywhere. Um, and then one time she was working at her day job, and uh, one of her, she was working with one of her friends, and she somehow told her that she was Native, and then that friend, like, disowned her. And then she's like, well, my mom said not to be around Natives. So then that's that whole identity crisis, like, should I, like, should I hide that I'm Native? And that's kind of what she did. She was very hesitant to have that part as part of her identity. Um, so then the chorus of the song is, am I white or am I red? Do I burn sage or break bread? It's just about those people that are stuck in the middle and um, just kind of breaking down the barrier that's you have to be one or the other because the Métis Nation is strong and you can be a part of it. Or like the non-status, you know, like if you're not treaty, like you, you know, embrace your spirituality, embrace your heritage. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. I love that. I'm happy that we're ending on that one. Cool. I said it was a sad one, though, so. And <laughs> now you welcome her on. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate you coming into my hotel room and making fun of my skincare products um, and walking around with your shoes on. So, Was that a, You didn't tell me to take them off. No, I didn't. Don't tell. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Winnipeg Music Project. For more on local music makers, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music by Will and Art from Collector Studio, and a big thank you to UMFM for making this show possible.